0: John, the first chapter, beginning with the 19th verse. These words are so recorded. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed. He did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. They said to him then, Who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptized with water. But among you stands one whom you do not know, even he who comes after me, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This took place in Bethany beyond the Jordan where John was baptized. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, for he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. Lord, help us to understand what our responsibility today is as a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's good to be away and it's good to be back. But you know, this past week, after I got back, uh, hobbling down the hall, and you know, from the mouths of the little ones comes some real wisdom. I do all that I possibly can do to see that I am uh, make uh, write, of a right, capable presentation as best I can in appearance. I use my Grecian formula properly and comb my hair and wash my face and tidy myself up as best I can. But going down the hall the other day, two little fellows were going and coming up behind me, and I wasn't making too much speed, so I could hear him coming, and one little fellow said to the other, and says, come over to this side, and we'll go around this way. He said, that's the preacher. He said, he got his leg busted on a motorcycle, but he is too old to be riding a motorcycle. <laughs> I hollered at him, I said, where did you get that? And she, he said, that's what my mother said. <laughs> So you see, I'm not impressing that mother too much. (laughs) Let me be that witness. From the book of Peter, this comment comes as a Christian without ministry is an impossibility. As a contradiction of terms, to be God's people means, in the words of the New Testament, to be a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's own people, that you may declare the wonderful deeds of Him who called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. For 400 years before the time of our scripture that I read to you this morning, uh, there was a real drought upon the land, a spiritual drought. Uh, there was no real prophet that we have listed. Oh, there were those people who came and said they were prophets, and even claimed to be the Messiah. And we have the history of them as they proclaimed themselves to be the Messiah and picked up a great following of people, and they would revolt. It was more of a political situation, an armed king. And these folk from time to time would come as the armed Messiah, and many would be turned aside and follow them. And every time it led to great bloodshed, to great slaughter and enslavement, Of the people of God It was a time of darkness Spiritual darkness And a time of real confusion And then seemingly out of nowhere Here comes a man that we Have learned to to know as John the Baptist And here this man comes on the scene Beloved you can rest assured That God will not be without his messengers God's going to see to this and so all and over, seemingly, here comes this man. And what a man he really is. He begins to make some strange sounds, completely different than anything that they'd heard over the last 400 years. He begins to make some strange noises and say some strange things and strange actions. But what this man had to say, though it was different, it had the ring of truth about it. And so many people began to flock to him to hear what he had to say. He not only had a strange message, he even looked strange. But this man came not presenting himself as one for all people, but he came presenting himself not necessarily even as God's man. He came presenting to him, though, the people that he lived with and to his time, the message of the living God. Now you see in this day in which we live, we seem to have this misconception about going about this business of living and we're supposed to have all people to love us. Well, that would be a wonderful thing if that were so. But I want you to take note of the fact that if they had been taking a vote that day for old John the Baptist in the day in which he lived, he would have flunked out completely and totally. He just wouldn't have gotten on the scoreboard either because he was a difficult man and a very intense man even at best but he came in a fashion to carry the message the message of a living God and this is the thing that makes a difference sometimes we get so caught up and trying to please everybody and to be a person pleaser that we water down this great message that God has given to us until we come to the place where We don't have anything really to stand on and really to present to people that will demand of them to live a different way than this world lives. But John wasn't caught up in this type of foolishness. He knew the message that he had, and so he went about giving this message. I was in a meeting some time ago. In fact, it's been a few years ago, but I still remember it as if it were only yesterday. And somehow or another, we were talking about this love that people should have, and we should have all people to love us. And it came out in the way of this charisma that's supposed to flow from people, you know. And in this meeting, there was one that was quite bold, God-lover. And as we talked about it, this charisma, you know, that's supposed to flow out and captivate the minds and the hearts of all people. And said, well, preacher, that's one thing you don't have. Now, I thought to myself, well, how can she say that? And I'm so kind and considerate and understanding and loving. But, you know, it speaks of a concept of our society that is just a shade off. And it's just a shade off being what it ought to be. And that's what makes it so dangerous, you see. Because as you're going to see as we proceed here this morning, that the emphasis is not to be placed here. We should not be obnoxious. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But when we come to the place, whether it be a church, or whether it be you as a person, or whether it be me as a minister, or as a preacher, because all of us are ministers, as a preacher, when we come to the place where we place the emphasis in the wrong place, we are in trouble. It should be on our message always. We are called to make a witness just as this man was called to make a witness of long ago. But you know, it is not necessary seemingly in the infinite wisdom of God for all people to be able to hear what he has to say or what he's called his messengers to say. We should be careful to beware of the situation when all people speak well of us. John didn't have that problem at all. You know the wonder of the situation is when I begin to study uh, this scripture and think about it and reflected on the call of the prophets of long ago. The astounding thing about it is that John places the emphasis in the right place. It is the message that is important. It is the message that is the most important thing in the world. It is the message that makes the difference, not the messenger. The strange thing about it is that as God has called his people to make a witness, isn't it interesting that it is also true that those that God has dealt with and is dealing with will hear what his prophets have to say Or what his disciples have to say. Or what those who witness about him have to say. The strangest thing of both the Old Testament and the New, Certainly of the old. Is that God will have to hear what he will have people to hear. It is our responsibility as a messenger of a living God to make a witness and then leave the rest of it up to God. There were those people who were standing with the Lord Jesus Christ one day when God spoke to him. And isn't it interesting to note that there were those who were standing there that day that said uh, that God spoke to him and heard God speak. And there were others standing there hearing the same thing and said, No, it only thundered. Where is it within our responsibility have we ever picked up this erroneous idea or concept that we're not only supposed to do the sowing, but we're supposed to do the reaping? The reaping is up to God. Let us be sure that we do the sowing, though. Now, there were three things in the life of John that I have picked up that made him the fantastic witness that he was. Now maybe before we go into that We ought to decide right now Once and for all if we can The fact that you are a witness Any person here this morning That names the name of the Lord Jesus Christ As Savior and Lord You have one call above every other call In your life You know what that is? A follower of the Lord Jesus Christ You're called to be a witness That's what Peter was saying He is saying that you have been called You've been set aside You're a peculiar people You've been called apart from in order that you might be able to make a witness about the Lord Jesus Christ as he can save you and has called you from the darkness which you found yourself in. That's the central theme of both the Old and the New Testament. Well, we are a witness. We won't labor that any further. Okay. What was it in this man's life that marked him as a different phenomenon, a different person after 400 years? The first thing I would call to your attention, he was able to forget himself. He did not have an ego problem. If he did, it did not show. Consider what he said. He said to the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, There stands one among you and that I am not worthy to untie his sandals. Now, to understand what I remember back to my days being in seminary, and I remember that it was said of a teacher and a student or the Messiah and the s- disciple that is one thing that a disciple was not called to do for his master. And that is to untie or take off his shoes because this was below his stand. Only a slave did that. Only a slave. And what this man is really saying, what John is really saying, he said, I'm not even a worthy slave. Worthy enough to untie the sandals of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, beloved, that doesn't sound too much, does it? But let me say to you this. When we lose sight of the fact that we are a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to drift. Where do we ever get this concept that there are some things within the church is beneath my dignity? Where do we get this concept? There are some things within the midst of God's people that I cannot do because it would deface my ego. You see, when we lose sight of the fact that we're called to serve the Lord Jesus Christ and make a witness for him, you're going to drift and you're going to drift and you're in trouble immediately. You don't have to wait three or four days to be in trouble. You are in trouble. Your ego has gotten in the way again. He was able to forget himself. The delegation came from Jerusalem. Oh, I like this. They heard this character out there. He was such a strange individual. He was not going about it the right way, you see, as he had done heretofore. And so they sent a delegation from Jerusalem, the great temple, the seat of power, as, go down and see what this character is all about. And so they sent this delegation down to investigate John and find out what was going on. And the main reason they sent the delegation down there is because he just wasn't falling through with the right and proper ending as they expected it to be because, you see, a prophet would be up and around the temple there somewhere. He would be in this prestigious situation. And certainly he would not be dressed as this crude man was out there on the riverbank. And certainly he would be using something besides water as his main way of letting people know that he had a message to give. I want to ask the question, why is it the hardest place upon the face of the earth to bring a change is within the church? Some of you read, as I did this past week, an article in one of our magazines that made this statement. The hardest place, the hardest place within our society to bring a change is within the church. Beloved, that has always been so, at least from the time that we are reading our scripture down to this present moment. Will you please tell me why it is that some of us objected to the bus ministry? Will you please tell me why some of us objected to the Mother's Day Out program? Will you please tell me why some of us object to to a family-type center that we think should be here? Will you please tell me how can we object to a daycare center here if we're thinking about serving the Lord Jesus Christ and serving people? And yet it's a fact that it is so. It is so much so that there have been those people who have walked with us that do not walk with us anymore simply because Some of these programs did not come up to their expectation or their thinking. John was a weird one. We're going to investigate that character. They came to him and said to him, are you a priest? Well, in those days, in order to be a priest and a prophet, you had to be in the lineage of Aaron. Well, it checked out there. He was safe there. And they couldn't say anything about that. It was inherited, you see. And so he was home free there. So they went further. Says, are you the Messiah? He says, no, I'm not the Messiah. He said, are you a prophet? No, I'm not, not the prophet. Are you Elijah? No, I'm not Elijah. I wonder why they didn't ask him if he was Elijah. I think it was more akin to him than probably Elijah. You know, Elijah the Old Testament, the prophet that came after Elijah, Well, sort of a funny type of a character, too. You remember one day he was going into town to take care of some of his priestly duties and responsibilities in Tibet. And on the way there, he met a group of boys in in the road. It must have been 40 or 50 of them. And Elisha didn't have a sense of humor at all. It was just, you know, just flat out he didn't. And he met these boys, and they were boys and having some fun with him. And evidently, Elisha had a bald head. I keep mine covered pretty good. But he had a bald head, and you remember the scripture says the boys begin to make fun of his bald head. and says, go up there, you old bald head. And it made Elisha sort of mad, and you remember he cursed him. And it says, two she bears came out of the wilderness and mauled the boys. He didn't have a sense of humor. But the thing I'm trying to say, many of these characters of God And John was in the lineage of these characters. Not presenting himself in a way that he had to take care of his ego at all. Completely forgetting himself. He could well have said, yes, I am the prophet. He could well have said, yes, I am the one that was promised years ago by Moses. I am the man that is here to prepare the way for the Messiah. I don't know why he didn't do it. He didn't do it. And what kind of a dumb answer did he give? The investigating committee says, well, tell us who you are. He says, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. As if to say to them as to who I am and to what I am is not important. Listen to what I'm saying. Listen to what is being said. There stands one among you that God has sent And we will recognize him as being the Messiah But he did not need this prestigious type of a situation you see I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness Want a question as to who he was? Well what this says about this man is astounding to me It said that John had no question about Knowing who he was. He didn't have to rely on anything else to give him the prestige that he needed to carry the message of God. He knew what his message was. And he knew the God that he was serving. And he knew that it all depended upon him giving the message, not the harvesting. Not the harvesting. He knew he had a message and this message was bigger than he was. Beloved, do you feel that way about what God has given to you? Can you see that our responsibility is to give a witness to the Lord Jesus Christ first, foremost, and last? Can you see that this is bigger than you, myself, or even this church? That we are only the instrument in the hand of a living God? Can we see, as John the Baptist was able to see so clearly, that one day that God would lay him aside, And as much that he said that the Lord Jesus Christ must increase and I must decrease, what a revealing thing that that statement makes about this person too. That I'm not going to be slighted. How many of our people that have walked with us do not walk anymore in our church? Simply because they feel somewhere, someplace they have been slighted. Someone has not recognized them. Someone has not spoken to them. Someone has not ministered unto them when they thought that they should have. Where does it come in this business of being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, disciple, where we accept the responsibility for what God has given to you and to me? The very time that you join the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, it ceases in effect to exist for you. It then exists in order that you might be able to more perfectly make your witness that you have to make of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was able to forget himself and get on with the business of God. Second, he had an experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here John was out here. Get the picture. Here he is out here in this out-of-the-way place where only God would go. Uh, taking care of the routine things of the day going about his business every day saying practically the same thing every day and baptizing the people that would come and would hear him and accept what he had to say and there he was day after day I am quite sure it must have grown pretty monotonous for him but he was faithful to his task and his responsibility and one day while well, in the midst of this routine situation that he was going through every day, he looked up and lo and behold, a shudder must have gone through his body because at the minute that he saw this man, God spoke to him. And he was able to actually to see physically lay his eyes on the Messiah. Behold the Lamb of God! And it was at that very moment that confirmation came to him through the Holy Spirit as he saw it coming from heaven as a dove. Confirmation came when he was able to see. And then it was at that moment, it could have been before, but I know it was at that moment, no later than this, that all this work that he was doing began to make sense. I don't believe it made too much sense to John up until this moment. But when he was able to see the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, and met him, It was at that moment he realized the greatness of his responsibility and his task. It is only at this time that John tells us that this is my calling to make straight the way for the Lord Jesus Christ the coming of the Messiah. Beloved, You know they said to us a few years ago they said the membership of the church would begin to shrink and those who did not really know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord would vacate the place because it's going to be too difficult and too hard and only those who were committed are going to be faithful to the cause. Well they were pretty good prophets it's proven so It is proven so. Beloved, those who have an ear to hear, let them hear what the Spirit of God has to say. Because John was in his place and he was faithful to his responsibility to his duty, he was able to meet face to face the Lord Jesus Christ and at that very moment it was all clear to him what it was all about. What it was all about. He had an experience with the Lord Jesus Christ experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the last place, notice what he says. And the same call comes to us today. It was to prepare the people to accept the Messiah. Now, beloved, you've heard it said from this place, and you will hear it said again. And we only have one call. There's only one thing that we're about, not a half a dozen Not even two, only one, and one alone. And that is to prepare the people to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. That's our responsibility, and that is our privilege. That is the burden of our life, or it ought to be. That is the privilege of this church. It is also the burden of this church, and we must get on with the business as best we can. Let us know that we have a message that can turn this world upside down and inside out. Let us know that we've got a message that can save every man and woman upon the face of this earth if they will hear what God is saying through us. But part of that responsibility rests with God. He will call, He will choose who He will. We do not know who they are. If we did, it'd be so easy for us, would it not? But he did not tell us Our responsibility is To give it to every man and woman And boy and girl That we come in contact with Or that we can have Inside this building in any way Or out there To make them aware Of the fact of these facts Number one There is one that stands among you That is the Messiah Jesus Christ The Son of God Secondly That this Christ can baptize you with the Holy Spirit Not water Baptize you with the Holy Spirit That can empower you to be the disciple that he has called you to be That will empower you to be the person that he's called you to be That will empower you to act as a son of God The way that God would have you to be Thirdly That this one that has come can forgive you of your sins. Every one of them. Totally. Completely. And set you free. And make you a candidate. For none other than the kingdom of God. Not only now, but forever. But I think about John and the role that he played and think about him as a witness, and the way he went about it. I ask of my soul, and call it to your attention, then let me be, let me be that witness. Let me be that witness. Our Father God in heaven, assist us at this moment, we pray thee, to make such a commitment.